bandwidth for this week in photography is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This Week in Photography is sponsored by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip for a free downloadable book. This week on the show, a photographer fights the law and wins, shooting when it's wet outside, and a conversation with Rick Smolin from the Day in the Life series, right here on This Week in Photography, number 26. Hey, everybody, we're back. See, I'm, I'm, that's just the way I am. See, I, I've decided, you know, I can't think of anything else to say, so I'm just going to start. Welcome to everyone. This Week in Photography. No, oh, it's like good. It's like Alex. It. Hey, everybody, it's me. Life is just one long podcast. Exactly, exactly. I'm back. I'm back for the last 45 minutes between podcasts. Just, we're just counting down. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so here in the studio, of course, uh, Scott Bourne. Hey, Scott. Hello. He's laughing at me because of He the, starts uh, every one of the 16 podcasts he produced with well, the hey, same everybody. line. Hey, everybody. Because there's a bunch of people people listening so i'm just saying hi yes hey everybody now scott's got a new toy uh, and let's introduce the newest member of the this week in photography crew <laughs> <laughs> that is the canon 1ds mark 3 oh he said to remind me it's that's the mighty canon 1ds mark 3 <laughs> With all 21.1 megapixels in its glory. <laughs> and I have the fisheye lens on, so sounds, I don't even need to point at anything now, to now get a picture. You, when you click it, it sounds bigger, heavier, and a little slower. It's slower because it's generating 21 <laughs> megapixel images that print 40 by 60. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing off in the distance there, you hear Fred. Hey, Fred. <laughs> Who didn't want to come in because he was afraid the D3 would be seen in proximity of the 1DS Mark III and that there might be some sort of manly man thing happen to it. <laughs> The D3 is cowering in its little 12.1 megapixel corner, Scott, from the, the, the mighty cannon, I got to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so one of these days, we're going to have both these cameras in the same place at the same time. We're going to do a shoot-off um, and uh, do some testing with these guys on low light and, uh, and medium light uh, images. So um, maybe next week. Well, he, with, with the low light, the, uh, the cannon will need to bring a flash along. So That's I true. That That's true. We will. <laughs> We, we only we, we we don't have the we don't have the ability to go to the crazy crazy like twelve million zillion ISO. Because Who needs light beca- sensitivity be- though. Because Just because we're making images that are really large, so we have to make them look good. And we don't have noise, by the way. We have grain. I'm sorry, but my tank can't make it down that alley. <laughs> They're just, you know, it's really interesting. We've got this whole comparison thing going on. They're two completely different cameras. One's a sports camera. One's like a portrait landscape architecture camera. And and they're only compared because they're each the flagship. I know. Totally. (laughs) Also here, uh, we've got uh, coming in from Hermosa Beach. Are you sure? Are you in in Hermosa Beach? I'm actually in Hermosa Beach with a good connection to the internet as opposed to that crappy Skype connection last week. Snipe. The Snipe. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's, I think that that is the exact word for it. Uh, it's so frustrating being on a, uh, on one of these shows when you've got a bad connection because you can't really talk because you know that everything's like that. And so you don't want to say anything. <laughs> you know, oddly enough, almost, that's exactly what you sounded like last week. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so hopefully I'm good, I'm clean, and I'm here. Excellent. Good to have you. Uh, we've got uh, Rick Smolin coming on a little bit later, so uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, we have uh, news. As you may have guessed. In the news, jury clears photographer who refused to stop photographing at an arrest. Photographing? Photographing. 
That's what that's what it said in the note in the in the notes. Okay. <laughs> I think you meant to say stopped making pictures. Photographing. Yes. Photo photographing. Well, good for him. Yes. So this is Nick Adams. Uh, he has been cleared by a Galveston jury of misdemeanor charges of interfering with police while photograph photographing <laughs> photographing. <laughs> So there you go. It's early in the morning here for me um, uh, at an arrest uh, at Mardi Gras celebration in 2007. And uh, This is really getting a bit out of control, isn't it? I mean, I, I keep reading about this more and more every week of somebody who stopped for just doing, you know, taking pictures in totally innocuous places. Well, we're trying to make terrorists out of 80-year-old Scottish nuns because fear apparently yeah. is a, a big motivator. But uh, the only way we're going to stop this crap is to do what this fellow did, which is to stand up for ourselves, carry our mud, and win the day in court. Well, yeah. <laughs> that, that's good for you. I, 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 pre- I prefer to <laughs> take pictures of things that don't get me in trouble. <laughs> well, hey, he's, you know, he had a right to do what he was doing. And, he and, had a right to do it. There's, and, you know, and I'm glad that he stuck up for himself. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. And, and I've, 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 I've pushed back a couple times here and there. But I, I've uh, seen you push back. So yeah. don't, don't act like you're some kind of lily-livered punk, because I know better. I've yeah, seen I mean, you no buck up against people. Yeah, I mean, but, but the, uh, you know, there's another one. There's actually a long article in iStock Photo. We'll, we'll get this into the, sh- uh, the show notes of a guy who was shooting, just shooting industrial stuff. But he happened to be shooting at the Port of L.A. Yeah, I'll never get you in trouble. And, uh, you know, then he got followed around by the security at port of la you know but he's still shooting from public places you know from a public road and uh and then you know two weeks later got visited by the fbi you know and 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 the thing is is you do have to realize that especially in what the united states would consider you know uh uh, when it's someone doing an arrest i think that that's totally fair game i think that when you start talking about big infrastructure you, you can guarantee um, Absolutely. Get, to get a lot of attention, and and while you have the right, and he, and the FBI agents came and talked to him, and and everything is fine, and you know they they realized there was no problem, and they went off and had a coffee, and it was all good. Uh, the thing you have to realize is that if you sh- if if you get that that visit from the FBI, if anything happens at that location, you will show up at the shortlist. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you just need to make sure that that you're clear that once you've developed that FBI file, so, it doesn't go away. It's you know, just so. that all those pictures are already online from somebody else. But yeah, I understand. Well, he did point out to them if, if he was going to do that that uh, that research, he would start with Google Earth. <laughs> what he should have done is said, he said me, well uh, I have these photos I have these photos of Area 51 no what he should know. have done is say agent uh, what's your address let's take a look at your house your house <laughs> <laughs> hey guys you know the um, there's actually an, an, a get together in Los Angeles for any Los Angeles based photographers it's on uh, June 1st there was a guy that was uh, harassed taking pictures of the subway station in LA and so there's actually a group of photographers that are, or photographers that are getting together for a, uh, a protest, I guess, on June 1st at the uh, Hollywood and Highland Metro Station. So people yeah. might want to come by for that one and just show some support. You know, I tried, I tried to shoot in, in uh, BART, you know, which is our, you know, this little subway here. And, uh, you know, I called, I actually called for permission. You know, I figured I'll just get a little thing. They'll say it's okay. Hey, mistake. And they said no. And I was like, yeah. well, we just want to shoot this little thing on how to use BART because we were doing this event and I just want to shoot a quick video on how to get from San Francisco to Oakland, you know, on the BART. And they were like, no. <laughs> and uh, and if I, I was like, if I get mayor, the mayor to, to, uh, to approve it, no. You know, and, and uh, so a lot of this stuff, I mean, for me, what I do is I don't linger very long. That's yeah. always been my, the thing that I learned in Africa, especially because in, in Zimbabwe, you know, there's a lot of, I shoot a lot in Zimbabwe and there's a lot of sensitivity to the, to the press. 
And what I tend to do is if I shoot in a village, I tend to do it in the last 15 minutes that I'm there. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. you take, you know, I get to know everybody, we all talk, and then I take a whole bunch of photos, and then I get in the car and drop away. Well, 10 years you know, from now, when we have 100 megapixel cameras that are the size of an iPhone, yeah. they won't be yeah. able to stop us. Because well, they won't even know we're happening. doing it. I mean, you know, I think that's... That, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's just ridiculous uh, how transient this is really going to be, because everybody's going to have them, you know, in their, in their eyeglasses or in their hats or whatever, and... Mm-hmm. I've been working on one for my eyeglasses, actually. Oh, like two God. little, two little, little spy glasses with like a little uh, headset so that you can walk around and get st- stereo vision. It'd be really fun. I just want a lapel pin. <laughs> you can get those, you know. Probably now, a flag, a flag lapel pin. That would, that would, make, and that would be safe. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now we would definitely feel better about it if it were a flag lapel pin. Exactly. Right. Nobody will harass me. The question is which flag. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so anyway so the uh, also um, coming out another plugin for Aperture a Hydra HDR they beat us to it they, they beat, beat me they to beat it. you to it I'm working on one and they just come out and put one out there so uh, I haven't got I downloaded I haven't got to really test it yet um, but it's, it looks like it's going to be a, a great solution um, it's uh, only sixty nine dollars so mm-hmm. it's it's definitely not very expensive and this is uh, you know I I think that you know the reason we were doing development for HDR and why we're still going to put out something uh, as an HDR plugin for Aperture is that uh, whether it's Aperture or Lightroom, doing it, doing building the HDRs out of um, uh, when you're just working with those and not having to go into Photoshop and not having to go into a separate application uh, makes an enormous amount of sense. Can I quickly answer yeah. a listener question right now? Sure. If you want to know how to use these plugins, I got like five questions in the last week. All I have to do is go to the Edit With menu in Aperture because they're looking for the plugins to show up somewhere. <laughs> right. And they're where'd not, they go? They're 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 there, but you have you find edit them with. when they Edit With. Like you usually go to Edit With Photoshop. Now you can see Edit With Photoshop and plus all your plugins you've loaded. So right. I just answered like five listener questions in two seconds. <laughs> hey, I'll, I got a quick question for sure. you. You know uh, the the HDR image that you build using that plugin is it? Sixteen uh, bit or can it be floating point data? Uh, I think I think it can be floating point. I, I haven't tried it with with the Hydra. Typically, when but you're building even one, with yours, even the one you guys are doing. Oh, the one know? we're doing is going to be floating. And is the, is it, is the I mean, Hydra when you build an HDR? I mean, we wouldn't. We all of our just I mean like conduit and all the other stuff we do when we build stuff, it all operates at thirty two bit float. And so, and so we have to we bring it down to whatever application needs it, you know, wherever the application needs it. But when we all of our operations are done in thirty two bit flow, is the Hydra plugin doing tone mapping or just HDR? You know, I don't know yet. Okay. That's the, the we I just downloaded it. And People want to know out. I know, I know, I know. I was trying to get it done before the show, but we've okay. been, we just wasn't able to take a look at. It. Has anyone else um, downloaded it yet? No, I just no. Uh, saw it today. Perfect. All right, I, so I, I have not. We'll check it out. Check it out. Also, Adobe DNG gets camera profiles. Um, new meta, meta tank. So this is formalization of the concept of the camera profile and allowance uh, for multiple camera profiles to be embedded into a single DNG file. Um, so this is uh, just a continuation of... Uh, do you have any extra inside information, Fred? No, no. You, you hit it right on the head. It's just you know basically being able to match what you see in your the application that's reading the DNG to what you saw on the back of the camera, which has sort of been that leap. You know, people like me would go out and shoot, and then, uh, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is to take those images in and tweak them to get them to that perfect starting point. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's just, you know, sort of done automatically. You know, when you shoot with your Scott, with your, with your massive new camera there, what you see on the back of the camera will match. <laughs> you, need, you need a moment, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> what you see... What you see on the back I just of the created <laughs> 100 megapixels worth of images. 
<laughs> so that's People should charge. We should charge by the megapixel. Yeah. So so um so it allows you to to get to that point very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So when you plug in the camera, it'll automatically recognize, and it, it can be by car- camera serial number. So if you have one camera that's you know a little soft or not soft, but a little contrasty or a little flat, you can adjust for that. So when you you know you bring in all your cameras or when you import the images from those, you have the same starting point from all your images. Got it. You know, it works really good for like you know I have a, a modified Canon 10D that's uh, infrared. You know, so you know, with the infrared modification on the sensor. Right. So uh, when I plug that in, if you plug it in without the profile, of course, you have to start and tweak everything to get it from that sort of magenta-looking cast into something that's interesting. Right. Uh, with this, you just plug it in, and you automatically have all your infrared images. Nice. Also, does it, uh, does it can it uh, contain lens information as well? Does DNG support that? Uh, does DNG support lens information? You mean just the metadata about what lens shot yeah, it and what focus exactly. length? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also uh, in the news, Pixelmator hits 1.2. Pixelmator is uh, a little version of Photoshop uh, written in Cocoa, and it's very, very cool. I don't think Adobe would want you to call it a little version of Photoshop. <laughs> I, I think you. It's an image editor. It's a, it's a very light image it editor. It is a competitor to Photoshop. Not that really. A lot less. You know, I don't think it's really a competitor. I think it's a completely different, maybe a, a, a competitor to Photoshop Elements, but definitely not a right. competitor Express. to Photoshop. It's more, yeah, it's a competitor to Photoshop Express and, you know, other like applications like Aviary and those guys out there. Right. But Acorn. You know, it's a, it's a, yeah, totally. Those are those are totally cool applications. I love those. Yeah, yeah. I was reading an article. I was reading an article about those the, the other day. It was talking about how you know the the reverse effect might be happening as people jump in and they're easy. They can get into these applications easy and play with them and see how hard it is. You know, in some cases to get what pros do. You know, to get to right. that level of oh my god, that's a great image. So you know, it may spur some of the uh, the respect for what pros do in the uh, the more terrestrial applications. I think it does. I think one thing though that you see when you see these little applications is uh, because they don't have the uh, the legacy code um, that a lot of the larger applications have. Uh, one of the things you see is performance that you don't see in something like Photoshop. So, for instance, with Pixelmator, because it's all GPU-based, uh, when you make adjustments, uh, it is all in real time. You know, so you're, you're, you're watching a blur across the entire image in real time, or you're watching all these effects are done very, you know, faster. You're not doing just like the little update window and so on and so forth. And hopefully that's going to... We're going to see some of that someday. We're going to do a post on the blog where we compare the low-priced alternatives for right. people who don't want to step up. And one of the low-priced alternatives, of course, will be Elements. But, right. but and Elements it, is an incredibly strong. Yeah. If, you're, if you're just a f- photographer doing most of the kind of work that a photographer wants to do as far as doing some basic adjustments and maybe a little bit extra and cleaning stuff up, uh, Elements is an amazing program. Well, we're going to compare iPhoto Elements, uh, Pixelmator, a bunch of them. Like, you know, we're, we're going to do like 10 of them. Yeah. Cool. Also, uh, coming up this Sunday, Canon has some rebate, a rebate program starting. Um, it is $300 off for the 5D, $200 off for the 40D. Uh, details on the Canon website soon. Yeah, it doesn't start until Sunday. I've looked, I got the press release. It does talk about some other lenses like the uh, 70-200-2.8. Mm-hmm. There, there's actually about a dozen lenses featured in this promotion. Also, the, the 580EX. Uh, so actually, it's a bunch of stuff. So if you've been waiting, if you've been waiting, wait till Sunday. Wait till Sunday. If, now if you waited this long. But what does this mean? What does this yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. It the, means the, that they the haven't got anything else out yet, or they're trying to well, clear. The, usually, it means they're trying to clear the clear the pipe. We think the seventies exactly. on the way. Yeah, wow. see, that's the thing. If you've been waiting, now you got to decide: Do I want to take these discounted things, or do I wait a little longer and see if there's going to be something new that's announced? Yeah, yeah. So that brings that's going to bring the price of the five D down around seventeen hundred bucks. That's that's frankly an amazing camera know, for yeah. that kind of money. Yeah, I'm trying to 
trying to figure out which way I could have go. bought four of those for what I paid for this <laughs> megapixel. Not that you're showing off or anything. <laughs> no, yes, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, but... maybe I should have bought four of those. <laughs> so also, uh, cons- uh, this is just something to check out. Um, this was uh, put together. Uh, the Gigapixel. Have you guys seen this Gigapixel camera robot? Yeah. What do you think, Ron? Uh, you know, I, I think it's... Uh... I think it's cool. I mean, I, you know, what I'm waiting for is something that's the size of a standard ball head that's right. in your truck and they can do all that. And I, and I think we'll see it. I mean, I really yeah. do think you'll see something like that, that is, uh, you just set it up there. And we've used these sort of things in the visual effects world right. for quite a while now where you just you know, take your tripod, you set it up out there, and you let the, the robot kind of go. And, and usually in the visual effects world, you're actually taking a full 360-degree right. uh, view of the thing and doing multiple exposures and building HDR. But yeah, I totally see, you know, this is, it's, I think the question to me is going to be, is this the way that it's going to go? Or what I think is more likely, these algorithms for stitching and realigning stuff are just going to get better and better and better to where you can just go out and shoot wild inside of any sort of a location and then stitch it together later. And I have to admit that that's been my experience of, for instance, shooting with, uh, you know, with, you know, stitching in Photoshop, for instance, if you're just doing, if you're not doing a 360, if you're just, well, you could do a 360, but not up and down. If you're just shooting across the stitching software in Photoshop, CS3 um, is uh, just sounds. I mean, it not sounds. It is just amazing. I mean, I, I don't even understand what it's doing over there. You know, I mean, it's, it's the way it puts those things together. When you actually look at how it's put the images together, I don't know yep. how it figured that out, but it is gorgeous. And I'm it just is. doing handheld. I just do handheld yeah. panos all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so. and, and the thing to remember, even if you're doing handheld and you're trying to do something like this, the whole the whole point of uh, of, a, of a head is it keeps the camera nodal. It makes sure that all the rotations are happening. Here we go. We had to say the, node. We had to oh, get node nodal. This is this is the nodal that you like, though, Scott. This okay. is the the rota- the node of the camera, meaning the, uh, the the center of rotation is right where the image plane is inside of the camera. I, so, I, I do like that node. Yeah. So if you're <laughs> that's my if favorite you're rotating node. around that exactly. That's, that's why when you look at the bottom of a camera, you know any any decent camera. That uh, the the tripod anchor point is also designed to be at the nodal point of the camera, so that uh, you're rotating around the center. We're rotating around the plane, the film plane, right? Film plane, yeah. Right, and then and 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 a lot of the higher end lenses don't they have? um, They don't. They usually have that little gold um, line or red line, right? Uh, did it still? I know I've seen that on you know movie camera stuff. I don't even know no, that. I think that, that there's you see some lenses. I know I know I got a ten point five Nikon a while ago and had it. It turned out that 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 little gold line. They don't tell you what the gold line is, but the gold line is oftentimes the uh, the nodal the nodal point for, uh, yeah. for that lens. So um so and, and the whole reason for that is is so you don't get perspective shifts. I mean that that's where something like Photoshop won't be able to make a great or anything won't be able to make a perfect panoramic stitch is if you've moved the camera off of this nodal point and then you get perspective shifts happening so the tree that's in the foreground is going to be different in a different place relative to the more distant background right great so that's the news for the for this week a site of the week um is studio lighting dot net dot net dot yep. net yes you always have to say that because if otherwise everyone's yeah. gonna we're gonna get like a thousand questions of I went to studiolighting.com and you know and you never one, know what's one of our be listeners there. sent this to me via the blog I checked it out and I gotta tell you it's an amazing website if you're interested in lighting a shot inside a studio they've probably got a how to video there that will help you yeah it's amazing the amount of information that's there and they review yep. studio lighting kits um, the videos are really good the how to stuff is really good it's uh, it's updated regularly and you know, there's there are a lot of people that pretty much live with their cameras in studios. They never go outside their studios. So I, I found it very interesting. And they're, very, I, they're very peaked. Yeah, 
As someone who's <laughs> you know, they, done, they also have a really good work, I like it. <laughs> they also have a really good podcast, and they've got some amazing interviews on there from some of the you know some of the not not so well known photographers, like photographer you know well known photographer assistants, as well as some of the big heavy hitting guys. It's really really sort of deep stuff. Yeah, so check so that out. We'll have it in the show notes. Studiolighting.net. Uh, now we have the Flickr challenge. The Flickr challenge. We are in week two of our two week. Flickr challenge, which is to go out. Our last two-week Flickr yeah, challenge. Yeah. We're going to... Our last two weeks? It's, it's, it's over. It's over. There's not going to be any more two-week challenges. only going to be one-week challenges. Oh. I'm, I'm glad you're going to be administering that extra week. Let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> I'm going to be doing one every two weeks. I don't know how many you're going to be doing. Uh, it, by the way, it's a lot of work. Um, anyway. To, Scott doesn't mind. Uh, we are going to every week polls. I think polls. I think I was off. I think yeah, it was you, polls. you were off. Trust me, you were off. We're going to do, Scott's uh, like, yeah. we do a photo challenge every two weeks. We give you a topic. Right. We don't give you any guidance. We simply say, go out and shoot blah, blah, blah. This time it's doors and people always try to sneak in an email to me go well, can can will this count as a door i'm like it's doors it's up to you i won't tell you anything other than doors you go to Flickr, you post them up in our special Flickr group for the contest now because that makes it easy for everybody you don't have to mess with the keywords you can use the old method if you want and if you get up there and you win you'll get a copy of aperture and lightroom and a copy of rich harrington Ben Long and Orlando Luna's book, Aperture 2. So that is the prize for this particular contest, unless Ron wants to throw in a new car. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's that's what's going on. We're, in, we're one week in. There are already a lot of door pictures up, so you have until next week. We also have our poll up, which is, are you a pro or an amateur? And the way it's going right now, about 80%, a little more than 80, 81 or 82% of the people say they don't make any money from photography. They're purely amateurs and vice versa. About 18 19% say they make some to all of their money uh, from photography. And I think that has less to do with their interest than their ability, given the fact that this is a tough market to make money in as a professional photographer. <laughs> you could be the world's yeah. best photographer. It doesn't mean you can make money. So uh, with that poll is going, and we're going to do the polls every week now because we got so many great poll ideas. That's all happening at TripPhoto.com. By the way, if you've not visited the blog, you're missing half the show. We half. Have- we have stuff that goes I, I, on there. Maybe, maybe even 75% yeah. of the show. We have stuff that goes on there that you'll never hear on the podcast. We have contests that go on there you'll never hear on the podcast. We have prizes. We have tips. In fact, we're starting a new series of tips called Mini Tips. You will not find them anywhere but at tripphoto.com. It's also how you reach us and give us email. So hit hit that blog once in a while and say, hey. Remember, and remember, it's Twipphoto is the Flickr group. Uh, we have 4,400 members. Yep. So things are kind of building up there. We have 1,800 members in the critique form. So yep. that's, uh, that's gone very well as well. So definitely. Uh, and over 1,000 in the uh, challenge pool. So we're up around 7,000 photographers that have signed up in four months. So it's good. To be engaged at that very high level with us. So we appreciate that. And we, we got more special stuff coming. We can't announce it yet, but we got lots of big There's this can. There's this can of special sauce. Yep. And we're, we're going to pour that all over We're teaspoon everything. by teaspoon. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't want to start pouring it all over you. You know, we just want. We got some very exciting stuff coming up in the next month that we're going to be talking about in the way of prizes and new opportunities. So you don't want to miss it. Yep. Now on the show we have Rick Smolin. Hey, Rick. Hey, very nice to be here. It's great to have you. I'm a huge fan. Can you give people a little bit of background of, of your photography projects? Well, I also want to say I'm a huge fan of, of your show, too. It's oh, well, uh, you. Uh, you guys accompany me on my walks, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, which are now around New York City. I used to live in uh, Mill Valley, and now my family and I are in New York. Um, I, I'm a, 
I used to work for National Geographic uh-huh. and Time and Life, and I was a freelancer. I never, I've actually never had a job in my whole life. That's my wife keeps reminding me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, they, they say photojournalism is the world's finest form of delayed adolescence. There you go. Which my wife also keeps reminding me. <laughs> and sometimes delayed paychecks. <laughs> yes, especially that. As you said before, I have so many friends right now who are uh, great photographers, and it's just, it's just really tough out there right now. Now, why is it so tough? I have my own theory. I, I think that, that uh, Corbis and Getty um, uh, hiring young photographers and saying, how would you like to go out and see the world for a year? You're 21 years old. You're at a photojournalism school. And the uh, pound of flesh is we own all your pictures. Right. And, you know, if I was 21, God, who wouldn't do that? Who yeah, would, you know, I'd do it. You get paid well. You get to see the world. And, you know, God, I'll take some more pictures some other day. But what's right. happening is it's eroding the ownership. My my father-in-law is Elliot Erwitt, the famous photographer. Mm-hmm. Picture of Nixon poking Khrushchev in the chest and John John saluting at JFK's funeral. If he didn't own his pictures, right. you know, he would. He, he's living off of that. That's his legacy. Those are right. his it's artistic creation. So anyway, I mean, this is a subject of a different conversation. But um, people at Magnum Photo and people, uh, you know, there's a lot of photographers for years fought for the the fact that when you work for a magazine, they get the rights to use your pictures for that assignment, but you own the photograph for the rest of your life. And that's the retirement for a lot of my older photographer friends. So right. It's hard. Well, that's my do. retirement. I got 450,000 yeah. images on my Drobo. That's what I plan to sell when yeah. I get into my decrepit Are you days. with an agency? Do you have your... Me. Yeah. I, I built my own agency because cool. I, I just sell a specialized kind of stock. I, st- I strictly sell wildlife photos. Oh, well, no model release is required, right? Nope. Uh, <laughs> I've never had in my entire life a bird say, I'm not signing that. <laughs> uh, the, the releases nowadays are pretty intimidating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, to follow on your conversation before, um, uh, I I was always sort of the baby of the, whenever I showed up at a, an assignment somewhere in the world, I was always like the kid. Right. And I was, I was always amazed how these older photographers, uh, even though I was, I was working for Time and you'd be working for Newsweek, but the other photographers would look after me. I mean, when we were shooting, it was every man or woman for themselves, but in the off time, that was your family out there. And every time there was a a war or a Pope visit or whatever, a hurricane in Guam, the same men and women, it was like 100 people, you'd start seeing the same people showing up. And in your off time, that was who you hung out with, it's who you drank with, it's who you told stories with, people would, just what you guys are doing right now on the show, we would do that in bars all over the world. And I was always astounded how generous these men and women were, especially to me, as a kid just getting started I always felt like I never went to photography school right. it was my hobby I did the yearbook and I actually took my yearbook to Time Magazine and got oh. a job if you can believe that <laughs> that's awesome it, that's it was great. amazing so, I, was the, I, was the, I was the dark room head in my yearbook so. I, I, lo- I miss the dark room I mean, I lo- digital photography is the best but I just There's I'm amazed about the, I, I, I walked into a, I walked into a camera store and I could and something was leaking or something like that and I could smell the Dectol yeah it just brought back the memories like, right Oh, that chocolatey smell. I love this method. I love Dectal in the morning. But yeah, I, like, I can't believe we're all alive. I mean, no, we used to, my 20, hands. 20 yeah. years in that place. Is I, breathing in the hypo, and I never wore gloves, and ferrocyanide to lighten your pictures, all that stuff. I mean, it's amazing that we're not all, you know. There was there was one there was one point where I did, I, I printed 130 photos in a row for the yearbook, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I couldn't smell for, and the fixer had, had had made sure I couldn't smell for about a week and a half. We could oh, actually yeah. do a whole show on old darkroom stuff. Yeah. <sighs> was, you know, was, all the tricks, like when 
the guy would bring in an 8 by 10 and say, make me 10 that look just like this, we'd tear it up and make a new one and make 10 like that. (laughs) (laughs) I never heard of that one. That's great. There's no way I could duplicate that. I mean, it's not like we save it in Photoshop, so I just make a new one and go, there's your original here, 10 just like it, and he'll match them up and go, yep, looks just the same. I'm like, that'll be $500. Thank you. Well, you know, I I, I spent a lot of time, as I said, sitting in bars with these older photographers, and I was always amazed. I felt so lucky to be out there, you know, meeting prime ministers and renting Learjets and charging it to other people. Um, and I, and all these stars would do is, is basically bitch and moan and complain about their editors and their magazines, how much they hate. And I said, well, I said, guys, you know, we're, I, I said, no offense, maybe I'm just totally naive here, but I, we're like, we're the world's eyes. We're the ones getting out to see this stuff. Why are you complaining about it? And I, I realized what it was is they, they would... F- fall in love with the stories they were shooting. They would get very emotionally involved and then they'd pick up the magazine. And they see something completely different. And some editor back in New York, not not with any mal intentions, but just somebody who hadn't been there would look for the pictures that looked like the last time somebody else shot that story. Right. And so we used to joke that you could shoot a whole cover story for one of these news magazines by uh, you know, the first with a with a Leica and eight frames, right? So the, the first <laughs> frame would be a headshot of the Prime Minister. The next shot would be a, a guy with a bayonet, uh, uh, six soldiers, the first one in focus and then going out of focus behind them. The third shot was a woman working in a field picking something green. And because by yeah. everyone, so anyway, I was sitting around with the, with my friends one day, and I said, "Wouldn't it be cool if we could all get together and do a project together, like us? Not not all these editors, not these magazines, but that we, the photographers, would all go like to a country. I was living in Australia at the time, right. working for National Geographic, and I said, "What if?" Like I could invite all you guys to Australia, and we'd all spread around the country, and we'd say, "On your mark, get set, go." We've got 24 hours starting at midnight, and even though it's a collaboration, you know, we're all going to try to outdo each other. Right. And everybody said, "What a great idea! You go organize it and call us when, when it's ready." <laughs> so I, I went off and knocked on like the doors of 35 publishers, telling them about this incredible idea. And they laughed me out of their offices. They said, what a stupid idea. Who is going to pay $50 for some book of photographs taken by your friends on some day that nothing happens in some godforsaken country like Australia? Why would that be of interest to anybody? So then I went to the prime minister, and the prime minister said, you know, I can't give you money. I knew him a little bit. But he had a great idea. He said, why don't you tell people you're doing the Olympics of photography? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're inviting all these photographers from all these countries. You're going to let them loose. They're all competing. And he said, I'm going to set up meetings for you with corporations. And I said, well, what are the corporations going to do? And he says, they're going to sponsor your project. And I said, what do you mean? I was so naive about this stuff. And he said, right. you're going to go to Steve Jobs and ask him for computers. You're going to go to Kodak and ask him for film. You're going to go to Hyatt Hotel. I mean, I said, why would they give me this stuff? And he said, because you're going to put their logo in the first page of your book. I said, well, I don't want to put their products in my book. He said, no, no, no. He said, it's like, it's like National Public Radio. It's, it's made possible through the generosity of, right. and you know, God bless him. It, actually worked right. I, all these publishers turned me down and I went I went to Steve I went to, to Qantas Airlines they gave me a hundred first class round trip tickets to Australia I had no money I had no cash whatsoever so we were all sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags in Melbourne Australia right all the photographers came. Nobody cared about being paid. Another, I've never seen that happen in the photography world before. We actually, three years later, it became the number one book in Australia, Day in Life Australia. Right. We sent all the photographers $1,000 each. You, never, you wouldn't think writing a check for $100,000 would feel good. Right. But I was so proud of the book. I mean, this is a book nobody wanted. I couldn't even find a publisher. I had to self-publish the book. Right. 
So anyway, they turned into this amazing series of books. And over the years, one of the things that I did with Apple is we used to pay the photographers by giving them a Mac instead of giving them a check. Right. Um, Steve allowed us to buy Macs from Apple. I forget what the whole deal was, but it was you know basically like as if we were dealers. And right. so we would buy them for eight hundred dollars, and it would be a two thousand dollar Mac or something right, right, back right. then. And now the margins are terrible. But and so we sort of got the first Macs into National Geographic and Time and Newsweek through the back door because we not just we didn't just have photographers. We had editors. We had writers from these magazines. Um, so anyway, it turned out to be a very successful series, and again, one of those ideas. Everybody, it's like the post-it note. Like it shouldn't have ever happened. You know? Well, and it's, and it's some. It's it, they're one of my favorite photography books ever. I mean, the, that series is pretty much for me. That's what I love to watch. To, to me, it's just eye candy every page. Yeah. You know, to see this moment captured all all, all in a single day. And I and I love do, taking lots of photos of people. Yeah, and yeah. and one of the things that we do in the Pixel Core actually is we'll do photojournalistic challenges where we set, send everyone out for a weekend uh-huh. and just shoot whatever happened this weekend. And so we'll have hundreds of people doing, you know, kind of the same process. And, and it was, it's all based on the book that you did because <laughs> it was just like it was such a – I thought it was so magical to see what everybody's doing in that. And I think that there's – and I think there's an opportunity. It's something I, I'd love to do with – at some point in time. Maybe we'll do it know, here on TWIP. On TWIP where we get everyone to go out on a Saturday, you know, like a Saturday after the uh, – you know, maybe um, – and uh, everyone just shoot – or that, just that weekend, maybe 48 hours in TWIP yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. And post Rick, it. for those who don't know, why don't you run down real quick the titles of the books and then oh. tell us about the most recent Sure. One. Okay, so we did the Day of the Life books. Uh, we, there's about 16 of those. And my, my wife, Jennifer Irwitz, started sort of carrying the ball after I left the company. And I, my partner, David Cohen, did a whole series of them also. Then we did uh, One Digital Day, 24 Hours in Cyberspace, uh, and most recently the America 24-7 series that I also did with David. And what we started doing is we've always been trying to use technology to do creative storytelling. Right. So the point isn't the technology, but it's we were always using the latest Macs. We were always using the newest cameras. Sony gave us handy cams when we did a day for the Soviet Union years ago, um, we've been starting to invite the public to participate because I think it's I think professional photographers do a great job, but I think one of the th- most interesting things the last couple of years is everybody has a digital camera. A lot of your listeners are great photographers; they don't may, may not make their living as photographers. So we just just we've just released a, a, a new book um, which we shot last September called America at Home, mm-hmm. and the idea was to sort of like a day in life of home. It's sort of capturing the rituals, the traditions, the ceremonies, how each individual family sort of takes their dwelling and turn it into their home. My daughter's seven years old; she went for a sleepover last spring. She's very nervous about it it was the same little girl that she would visit after school every day and um, you know what you know she was trying to decide what teddy bear to take and 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 then she said you know dad if i want to come home in the middle of the night will you come get me i said phoebe of course so she survived i picked her up the next morning and we're walking home and i said phoebe what was the coolest thing what's the one thing you remember the rest of your life about your first sleepover and she leaned over and she said dad did you know that other people's lives are different than ours and i said what do you mean she said Charlotte's mother let us eat Cheerios like for a snack before we went to bed and, and we got to stay up till 9.30. I mean, she started going through all this stuff and she said, do you remember your first sleepover? I said, Phoebe, it's been a long time since my first sleepover. And then I suddenly had this flash of memory that I've ne- I literally have never thought about this since the day it happened. And she looked at me. I sh- she was watching me. And she said, what? What did you just think about? I said, Phoebe, I can't believe this. I just remembered. I went to this little boy Tommy's house. I was probably about your age. And we sat down to dinner and the whole family closed their eyes, held hands and started praying. And she said, what did you think? I said, well, I just, it was, I had the same thought. It wasn't, I thought it was really cool they were doing that. We didn't do that in my family, but I suddenly realized every single family is different. 
And she said, Dad, you and Mom should do a book about how people's lives are different in their home. So right. this America at Home book, we had 100 photographers all over the United States for a week, and we, we received a quarter of a million photographs from the public. We, we, we had like daily assignments, like what's morning rush like in your house? What do you do? What's, what's, it, how do you wind your day down? Right. Do, do you read your kids with a flashlight on the covers? Do you, do you watch you know, the Daily Show? Do you go outside and watch the stars and eat Haggadahs? Do you do karaoke with your friends? I mean, it's... I think most of us hang out with other people that are kind of like us, right. you know, sort of basically, you know, make the same kind of income, you know, you know, by the same political persuasion, love Max, love photography. Right. This book is like people all over the United States allowed you to walk in their front door and wander around. Right. And it's, it's amazing how different people's lives are from ours, from yours, from mine. Excellent. Yeah. And where can people get the book? Uh, it's available at all bookstores. Um, and the, one of the coolest things about it is you can right now today go to our website upload a photograph of your children your house your wedding you can go to an old photo scrapbook from your parents and, and upload a picture of the house you grew up in and when you receive a copy of America at Home you're on the cover of the book our, our website is www.myamericaathome.com oh, cool. yeah he brought uh, unfortunately this being a radio style <laughs> podcast you can't see this but he brought a sample cover with him and it is pretty amazing very high quality and uh, it, you know if I saw it on the book I, I would think the book it's the actual book I would think that's the book in the bookstore and that's the way it came so well, what, what's cool is it even says you know inside the flap it says photo by Scott Bourne you know here are my right. kids at the beach with grandma you know the year after they were that born that would be really cool since I don't have any kids well, so, I mean, know, that would be yeah. amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing that's really fun is you can go to our website and you can make as many covers as you want and oh, send really? them to friends for free so you're making a virtual wow. 3D image and you, when, you, when you upload the picture, you actually see it appear on the cover in, in real time. We talk a lot about technology on this show, sometimes maybe too much. Yeah. But what I took away from your book is a reminder, especially those of us with gray hair who've had cameras around our necks for decades. There's just a pure joy in photography. It's, yeah. I get high. I mean, yeah. I do. I, and I, I and these it. books of yours remind me of that. And Megapixels, Schmegapixels, a big beautiful kid's face, uh, a compelling scene, a, a nice composition. Those are the things that actually drew our attention. And I, I get constant letters and emails from our audience saying, how can I be a better photographer? And I always say the same thing. I know a lot of writers, some very well-known professional writers. When I ask them, how do you become a better writer? They say, I read. Yeah, and you're right. Right. If you want to become a better photographer, look at pictures. Well, and, I, and I would say also critically look at pictures. Yeah, you know, don't just fun, just one don't of the things is that I look at pictures, and when I say I really love that photo, I try to think about why I love why? that photo. Yeah, you know, yeah. what about that photo is is grabbing? For I think it's good to get feedback from your friends too. I mean, yeah. it just you know, the nice thing about digital, which I, it's the one of the things I love, is that you can really experiment a lot. Mm -hmm. You can try lots of different things and yeah. throw all the bad ones away. I mean, you think of Kodak's model used to be printing all these bad pictures. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you <laughs> that's uh, pretty much the business model. That's that's what that's was, what paid the bills. I mean, ecologically, you just think of how much better the digital world is because my, yeah. my wife complains I never print anything anymore. I right. just yeah. keep filling my Drobo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, I, 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 I uh, I'm, I'm uh, the same way. I mean, I, uh, people, I, my grandmother was giving me a hard time. I finally, like, I can't figure out how to, you know, print. You know, as, as, as Scott gives me a hard time about, and, um, and so, you know, I just don't have, I don't have a, I don't have. This a is the highest like. tech office in the universe. There are zillions of like 
combat quality hard drives. And here's the thing. Special things. There's an Epson 1280 in the corner that's got cobwebs. It's the only printer for miles, and, and it only, Alex the can only barely thing, make it work. The, and, so the, and I have to admit now, the, the, worst part, the worst part, and Fred had something to do with this, whether he knows it or not, uh, is the only way I print images now is that I, is I just go up to iPhoto and I just select them, or I go to Avatar, I just select them to say, print photo. You know, and, and I, I print books. I print books and I print photos, and I have them sent to people. Yeah. But like, like you know, if, if someone complains yeah. that they're not getting any photos from me, I just go up to either iPhoto Aperture or whatever, and I just go print photo, and and then I go back to whatever I'm doing, or I make books for people. I out need of, a deadline. With, there has to be somebody I owe something to that in order for me to print something. Yeah, I no, never I, do it for myself. I'm the same way. But I have to. I'm I got exactly the, the same. Way. I got yeah. the uh, I got the star the East Arlen. I showed I showed uh, Scott and Fred the the East Arlen, and I have to admit I don't think I'd ever print anything again with that thing. It's a it's a video. Uh, um, a video um, frame grabber. Kind of uh, no, it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's a digital frame. Yeah. So you sit there and, oh, and, yeah, and right, I can right, email right. photos. Yes, I right. can email photos to the frame, and uh, and then they just roll. They just keep on. You changing. Know the problem that I got one from my mother. It's it's the gift you can never stop giving. It's like why haven't you sent me any pictures? This week? <laughs> it's like oh god. <laughs> well, this one this one sets up. It'll it'll read an RSS feed, so they don't have to. Uh, no one has to download anything or put anything in. So right, I can just right. put it up on a Flickr oh, account. Oh great! And good, just good, and, good. and it just cha- you know as I'm shooting photos, I can just kind of just eh, I'll just send this out to Flickr, and then and then it's done. You, you know, know I, and it's, I, have you tried the Presto printer? The one that HP had this, uh, it's like a, they call it a printing mailbox. And uh, basically, it, it's like you give your mother this printer, and you can basically email to this. To, uh, and it to prints it out. And it prints out, oh, and it man. designs. I mean, it's a one way. My grandmother would love It's like one way email. My mother right. can't figure out email, but it's nice you can send pictures to the kids. Now, do you do any portable, when you're shooting, do you have any portable printers? Do you, I don't. You no, don't. No. no. I mean, we, we actually. We, to, we, we need a review. I carry the little, the little teeny Epson picture mate. Right. And I just, and mostly just to get people off my back because they're like, ooh, could I have a copy of that? And I right. Here, here. No, you don't need to give me your address. Here, right. wait a second. There. Do you know about Fanfare? Have you guys seen I don't Fanfare? Know about Fanfare. Fanfare is a fantastic website. I don't know, I don't know why people don't. It, you can, um, let's say I just came back from my daughter's soccer game, right? I take all the images in JPEGs, I mean, after you convert them, and you drag them into this window, and within 15 seconds, anyone in the world can see all the pictures. Oh. And then it slowly, over the next few hours, sucks up the full resolution. And then you send an email, and you say, if you want to download any of these pictures, feel free. If you want to order them from Shutterfly, Ophoto, or oh, uh, Snapfish, idea. and it, it does Ken Burns slideshows, you add music to it. Wow. And it gets me out of the middle of having to, to yeah. give pictures of the 40 parents that were at the soccer game. Right. Right. I, should, I mean, you know, you should check that out. Yeah. What What's your next project going to be, Rick? Um, well, you know, IKEA was a sponsor of this book, and we're and it's, there's no IKEA products in it. They just wanted to give a gift back for being in the United States for 20 years. So we're going to do Japan and Germany next, I think. Wow. Which is really fun. I, the The project I've been dying to do is something called 16 in America. I want to give cameras to 10,000 16 year olds for a month and have them document what it's like to be coming of age in the United States in this millennium where we are right now at this time. In in, in well, many of us are actually just 16 years old. Well, I f- I'm yeah. sort of frozen in time. Like, <laughs> At least we act like we're 16 years old. What a great time to be. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, oh, my, be, I just can't even I can't even fathom what 16-year-olds know now compared to what I knew when I was 16. But how, how did, you know, I, do you remember the world before Google? Like, I don't. When you had a question, did you write down a file card and the next time you're at the library, you <laughs> I just didn't know. I just gave up. Just, I just I, was like, I'm just going to be stupid today. But the fact that you're rewarded for being curious now with immediate gratification so that yeah. you're curious again, I, I, it's such a different way of thinking about the world. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. It's it, it is 
it's a great concept what you have because what you do is all of your stuff revolves around projects. Mm-hmm. And I constantly try to teach people if you want to get better as a photographer, don't go shoot willy nilly. Go out with a purpose. And and right. have and have a beginning, middle and ending to yeah. it too. The other thing that I want to say is that when we do these books, we come up with assignments for the photographers. It's not willy nilly, but we say to the photographers, if you get out there and you find something better than what we asked you to shoot, improvise. It's so rare right. that photographers are told just be creative. Right. And you you know, you might make a mistake because you might photograph something that we've actually assigned to somebody else. Right. And the kids on our staff sometimes outshoot the Pulitzer Prize winner. So wow. it's it's complete democracy of images. It's like whoever does the best job. Right. And people, probably a third of the photographers don't even make it into the book. So imagine being the top guy from Time or Newsweek or National Geographic and some 19-year-old on our staff outshot you. Right. So that's, uh, there's a lot of adrenaline when people work on these books. I'm in heavy competition yeah. with my son now. How old is he? He's 10. Yeah. And... Uh, or eleven. I'm sorry. He turned eleven. I'm very upset that I said that. So um, the uh, uh, and, and and I hand him the camera. I gave him the, every time I hand him the camera. He has the eye. You know that that whatever that is the yeah, eye yeah. where he just takes these great photos. You know and and then I hand it. I decided to throw him a curve and I threw him. I, I threw it with the lens baby. Oh. And and yeah, he still took better pictures. I mean he he, he had that <laughs> he, he had that lens baby down in about in about three minutes. And then from then on, you could see him sitting there just stretching that thing out uh. back and forth. And I got him a point and shoot, and he doesn't use it that much. He really goes crazy when I hand him. A bigger camera, some now. So I have, I have a question for you guys. Is there a point and shoot that's like your favorite right now? <laughs> the, the big, the one you walk into the, a loaded room. <laughs> yeah, I think the one that I think just about everybody has right now is a G nine. I was going to say I'm about to buy that one because uh, uh, so many of my professional friends are using that as their right. carry around camera now. And, and, and I use it as a video camera. Oh, I was going to ask you. It does video too. Good. Amazing. I was with yeah. some people at Stanford last night, they were, and I was telling them. They said, "But does it do video?" Because everybody's now into Flickr video. Let's ask Fred. Fred, does it do video? <laughs> Why, yes, it does video. Ten twenty-four or three twenty. <laughs> wow. No, it does amazing video. I was in LA yesterday shooting with it. And it's just you know, it's just the perfect form factor, you know, and it also shoots raw. So yeah, yeah the, 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 the raw thing is so important. I've been you know telling people you've got. There's no excuse now not to well, shoot raw. What I don't understand is it, it, one of the things we we talked about a little bit where that were some of the hacks for the for the point and shoot cameras and and what's amazing uh, is that is that they should start really unlocking that i mean you know i think that as a uh, allowing people to shoot point and shoot uh and having raw it just seems like something that they should just start doing you know, well, you um, know when you look at what you can do with this camera 450 dollars camera yep. and compare it to like my nicromats and my my, yeah. my old style 30 it, it's staggering what it can do and the image quality is unbelievable yeah and uh, you know th- there are things it can't do there are things for which you will need a, a dslr but Alex used to have one in his pocket all the time. I left it. In, I left it in a, in a in a jacket in the Southwest flight, and it never came back. Oh, so it, so it's whoever, so, whoever, so now whoever got a, it is out there enjoying it. Right yeah, now. I hope you like it, you son of a now, bitch. You know the iFi card. What the, the wireless card? Yeah, Fred has one. Fred, so you could put yeah, that in the G nine, and then you're just streaming out of your camera, right? If you're near a hotspot, they, they, cool. and there was yeah, a new yeah. One. There no, was a new actually, no. It's 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 interesting. You know, I, I actually played with it a lot. Wrote a quick review for the for the Twit blog, but it's uh, you know, it's great. It's more of a consumer card right now, in in that it will only support JPEGs. And oh. you, the, the the sort of bummer about it is it's not. It doesn't have a you know. There's no UI, of course. You have to configure it on your computer to access whatever hotspot that you wanted to access. So. Oh, right. They just, you can they have just it, announced some new ones, didn't they, Fred? Have you, have you seen this? I think they just announced a new one. Yeah, yeah they and just announced new ones. Ability. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, and you can now, uh, they, they now have one where it does a better job of just finding a, an active Wi-Fi spot around there, so you don't have to pre-set so, it. These, to go this is well, then how, how do you factor? log in, though, to say yeah, you're, you're at Starbucks and you need to log in? How do you do that? 
I haven't looked into it, but I know that's that's sort of what they're selling. I think they've made deals with some of the uh, the broader providers to do that. So oh, my one DS Mark III, I could have the compact flash card recording and then use the iFi SD card since <laughs> I have two card slots and be sending them. <laughs> yes, Scott, the D3 does that not he's have a show how, how, many, uh, how many how many card slots are there in the D3, Fred? Two. <laughs> there are two CF slots in the D3, but, but no there's not an SD card slot. <laughs> No, there isn't. So you couldn't there use isn't. the iFi card there in the DC. No, yeah, the problem is you have to uh, well, just sit there for an hour and a half for every 21 megapixels to upload. <laughs> well, well, I, well, uh, well, I don't know. Does Ron, does the, does the new, does the new iFi card support RAW? Because the old no, one is only not, not that I know of, but the, there's three new yeah. products. Um, there's the iFi Explorer, which is uh, the iFi Explorer uses the Wi-Fi networks to um, figure out a, a rough position. Uh, global, global position, right. so, which is kind of cool, um, and it'll automatically put it on there. It, it also, um, you can upload your photos automatically from 10,000 Wayport hotspots. Hot so um, Way, Wayport is everywhere, but not anywhere I actually go. Um, <laughs> what's, ex- what's exciting about it is you lose your camera, at least you didn't lose your pictures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's more important. Yeah, the only thing I was glad of when I lost that camera is there was like eight photos on it. Because oh. I, I tend to be a little bit maniacal about, I, I take yeah. photos and I pull yeah. them off. I take photos I pull them off. Yeah. And so I, yeah. so I, uh, um, uh, so that happened. There's, the other one is iFi Share, which is, um, uh, it is another unlimited service that allows you to upload. And I think once again, this, it makes it easier. And then the iFi Home, which is $79. And so those are the three new ones. And I don't know where they, where they went from yeah. there. So very good, Rick. Thanks. Do you so know much if you know if those are shipping now, Alex? I believe available for sale June six, two thousand eight. If I could, uh-huh. uh, cool. if I could give I'm one more good. plug to let your Please listeners do. know where to to try out making their covers. Again, you yeah. can do this without paying anything. It's just yep. fun to do. You uh-huh. put them on your Facebook page. It's www.myamericaathome.com, and we actually give you a free cover if oh, you order great. the book from us on the website. So it's pretty cool. Well, that's the place to order it. Pretty I mean, neat. And, yeah. You know, I think that that's a really interesting model because you have a book that's available everywhere. Yeah. Of course, you know, half of us will go to Amazon.com and right. think about buying it. Yeah. But but by adding a value add to the and being able to create something a little bit different, a little bit more individual, I think it's a great way to, to kind of experiment. And, and with trust that me, it is not cheesy. I saw it. It yeah, is it's, amazing no, it's, it's quality. Good. So very, very it, good also, quality. you know, David Pogue and Amy Tan and Matt Groening from The Simpsons all wrote these wonderful essays about their home life, which is a really nice added touch to it. Well, it's, a, it's a great book. We got advanced copies of it. We can highly recommend it. We will have links to all this stuff in our show notes on you. the twipphoto.com blog. So cool. you'll be able to find it. Rick, we appreciate you coming by. It always feels like it was two minutes when we talked to <laughs> yeah. somebody of your caliber. And unfortunately, we, we try to keep the show a, a certain time limit so people sure, can jog sure. and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going we're gonna to say uh, we got to move on to our listener questions. But we're going to have you back on in a second because we're going to close out the show with a tip from cool. you. Cool. Okay. Thanks, thanks, Rick. All right. Thank you. Uh, first of all, we have an audible pick for the week. We do. I do. Thank goodness. Spartans. The Spartans. No. Spartans. <laughs> Chapter 12 of the Spartans, ladies Chapter and gentlemen. Chapter 12 of the Spartans. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to do his voice perfectly soon. No, no, I have a new, I have a new book. We're not going to talk about the Spartans for the seventh week in a row. No, I, I moved on. <laughs> it's good because if you go to audible.com, audiblepodcast.com slash twip, you can get a free downloadable book thanks to twip. the sponsor. Slash twip. Slash twip. Right. audiblepodcast.com slash twip and that'll be in the show notes you can get a free book and we try to give you some suggestions for the last seven weeks Alex has suggested that Spartans. you get the Spartans Spartans but now apparently Alex has a new suggestion I have a new suggestion I uh, downloaded Commonwealth Economics for a Crowded Planet uh, it has nothing to do with photography but um, but it's a really actually it's, I'm, I'm finding it to be a very fascinating book so uh, this is from Jeffrey Sachs it is not it is not um, narrated by Jeffrey Sachs 
but it is definitely a book worth um, having in the back of your head while you're walking through San Francisco. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you just, just kind of realize, you know, and uh, I've, you know, I've been to a lot of places that look a lot different than San Francisco, and and uh, and you know, and, and it's uh, and and that are dealing with some of the issues that that uh, that Mr. Sachs is talking about, and I think that it's a uh, it's really for a lot of us here in the United States who are thinking about, you know, we think about our little world and everything else. I think looking at um, that economics, uh, the economics for a crowded planet is something that is much more interesting to me than global warming or the environment, to be honest, um, is dealing with the economic uh, issues uh, related to that. And so uh, anyway, it's uh, Commonwealth uh, Economics for, for a Crowded Planet, and it's a good it's a good it's a good listen. If you'd like to use your free downloadable pick on that book, you may, or any other of the 45,000 titles available. 45,000. Oh, that's right, 45,000. Available and audible. And we thank them for partnering with us to provide you with that special gift. Once again, the URL you'd want to visit is audiblepodcast.com slash TWIP. That's T-W-I-P. That is a special gift just for our listeners. And we make that available to you on behalf of Audible and thank them for their support of this podcast. Without it, it would not be possible. And now for listener questions. So we've got uh, a couple of listener questions. We've got more than we can get through, of course. Always. As, as always. Uh, so um, uh, w- the first question is, um, uh, they'd, they'd, like to know, they'd like to talk about shooting photos in wet places. So it's a... <laughs> <laughs> that so, should be very artfully spoken to make sure you do not inarticulately say anything there. <laughs> so, uh, hey guys, I really enjoy the show. And uh, it said, is there a good way or some method to take pictures in a very wet area? I was standing in a shower and I thought, uh, how good would it be to, to take a shot of uh, the faucet without uh, destroying the camera? Now, I mean, this is an issue that you have to deal with this, uh, you know, ongoingly of you want to shoot and it's, there's a little drizzle or, um, you know, or there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, rain or whatever. Whatever it is, and Fred tries to shoot in his shower every day. Is it? Yeah. I mean, you know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how I, how I dealt with that in the military. Of mm-hmm. course, not having much money, we used giant, you know, those giant baggies, the hefty ones with the yeah. Ziploc on them. You know, wrap our, yeah, put our that. put our camera in there, and then screw the filter in on top of the bag to cut your little, you know, the little hole out. Uh, take the filter off, take sure. the plastic off, put the filter back on, and you're good to go. You can also just cut a hole and then use a, a thick rubber band. To mount, yeah. to mount the opening around your lens hood, which I've done many a time. And if you're really desperate, yes, in every hotel in America, you can get a free shower cap. And uh, in a rainy environment like the Olympic National Park, where I photograph every year when I'm up at my house up there, uh, I use sometimes a shower cap from the cheap hotel. That will provide you with a lot of protection. You do want to make very sure that you don't get your camera wet unless it happens to be a 1DS Mark III, which is water resistant um and uh same thing for dust you yeah. know uh, if you go to burning man yeah uh, there's a lot of people that, that shoot burning man who have come up with all kinds of innovative ways of protecting their camera yeah. how do you protect your camera um i do the same thing i just wrap it in a big plastic bag right and uh yeah. just, i just but you can buy real expensive official housings. stuff housings yeah. for this so if yeah. you're going to be a serious shower photographer <laughs> you might want to look for a, a waterproof housing <laughs> and there actually are. There's some actual pretty decent little point and shoot cameras that are designed to be waterproof Indeed. as well. Indeed, yep. not not only waterproof, yep. but they can go like seven meters down. Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah. I have the. Yeah. I have a video camera. Actually, that does about five feet 
five feet underwater. So it's a, uh, um, and I've never actually taken it five feet underwater, but I, but yeah, you know, more and more of these point and shoots. If you, if you want one that's around and it's, it has been one of the things, cause since I lost my G nine, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm a free agent right now. I'm, 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 I'm looking around, I'm, I'm looking at the LX two. I'm looking at the, at the G nine. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at what I want. And one of the things I started thinking about is maybe for my point and shoot, it'd be really nice to get one that was water resistant so that I could, you know, if I'm shooting, I could pull it out and take pictures. And so I was thinking of getting a, find a cannon that was, that was, uh, and then, and then hacking it with the hack so that I could get my raw images out of them. <laughs> you know, one of the nicest things about digital is in the old days you had to open the camera and, right, right. and put new film in and now you can shoot 500 pictures without uh, doing that. So another question here, this is from Kyle Newcomer. Uh, this is um, uh, an explanation of the crop factor. He said, would you be able to um, take a second on the TWIP uh, podcast to talk a little bit about the crop sensors on consumer DSLs versus full frame sensors? Well, you know, Somebody who's a pixel peeper or a measure beater is going to send me an email about how I answer this question because uh, this is those one of those kinds of things in the photo forums they love to have flame wars about. The, the bottom line is the crop factor simply means that there is a new effective focal length, EFL, with your lens when you're using a smaller sensor than a... Th- typical 35 millimeter format sensor so in the full frame sensor cameras the lenses perform as advertised a 10 millimeter lens is 10 millimeters but if you have a canon product for instance that typically uses a crop factor you would multiply by 1.3 to get your effective focal length and i believe like the d70 i believe is at 1.6 is that right or is it all Uh, 1.3 canon the 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 Basic consumer Canon stuffs are 1.6. The okay. Canon has that sort of middle range one that's a 1.3. That I think right. it's just that's a couple the mark. That's cam- the that's the one I'm I was referring to. That's the the Mark II uh, series. The, 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 yeah. the, the sports cameras they have that. That's the APH. It's one of the reasons Nikon's are, the, 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 Nikon's the, uh, are 1.5. Yeah, the 5D the is such a great bargain because it's a full-frame yeah. sensor. Right. Yeah, so what you're doing is, you know, somebody goes, wow, I got a, I got a 400-millimeter lens, and I you know, have a 1.5 crop factor. I can turn it into a 600-millimeter lens. Well, it gives you the effective focal length of 600 millimeters, but you are sacrificing image area to get that. Another way to do that is to take a full-frame sensor like my camera and simply cut it down in half, and, you know, you do the same thing. You can double down that way, but, you know, you're giving up something to get something, so it's not technically the same. It sounds like, it sounds like I should, we should do a video about this. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets complicated, and there's no way to answer this question without doing, like, a an video. hour-long thing. So, uh, do you do you guys want to add anything to that? I, for I, you know, I, I agree. It's everybody gets all religious about what exactly is happening here. But for all practical purposes, you know, the bottom line is you shoot as if you were shooting with a longer lens. You know, you you are getting closer to the subject. It feels like you've got a longer lens on there. And you know, don't spend a whole lot of brain cycles thinking about well, it's actually a crop fact that's going on and on and there. You know, just get comfortable with the sense that. I put a 50-millimeter lens on this 1.6 camera, like a, a 40D, and it's going to feel like I've got an 80-something lens on there. Mm-hmm. And also, remember, you don't get to cheat when it comes to the hand-holding rule. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so Same a lot thing. of people go, well, I've got a 200-millimeter lens, so I need to shoot a 200th of a second, but you're using the crop factor to get a 300-millimeter lens, so guess right. what? You're not going to be able to hand-hold that shot at a 200th of a second. Mm-hmm. You don't I, get to cheat. I can't. 
Well, you're special. <laughs> Coming up next week, uh, that's all we get. That's all we have time for today. Uh, we're, we're getting close, though. We're only a couple episodes away from having another all question. We got uh, we got tons of positive feedback on our all yeah. Q and A show. We're going to do that every month. That's our commitment. Yeah. So so that'll be coming up soon. Uh, so we'll get to more of these questions uh, as we go through there. Coming up next week, we've got uh, Heather Champ. Uh, she is a web designer, accomplished photographer, and the community manager at Flickr. Well, that's important. Yeah. So she's yeah. going to come on the show, and uh, and we're going to talk to her about all things Flickr and photography. Uh, and finally, before we get out of here, uh, tip of the week, and Rick has offered to give us the tip of the week. Well, it's, it's funny. You know, uh, most people spend a lot of time trying to think of how to make their pictures sharper by using a higher ISO or by bracing themselves using a stabilized you know, lens with a stabilization built in. I actually like sometimes just for fun to do the opposite, which is to slow the shutter speed down to a 15th of a second, uh, use a very low ISO and walk around and, and pan with things. I've even done it with, actually with my iPhone, <laughs> right. but I mean, you can't control the speed. But right. in other words, instead of trying to make it as sharp as you can, uh, so, you know, if your kids are running around, you're watching somebody on a bicycle, people are just walking by, you're out there, you're looking, you have somebody else drive the car, but you're hanging out the window, and as other cars go by, you pan with them. And the idea is to try to keep the, the person or the object or the thing you're photographing in the same place in the frame while you're moving it. So if your kid's running by, um, and this is a great tip, is face the direction you're going to end up in at the end of the of your pan. So in other words, face where your kid's going to be at the end of when they zoom by you, and then twist your body back. And as you pull the shutter, your body will pull you back very smoothly. And just trying to move with your kid. And the nice thing, again, with digital, you can shoot it 35 times and choose right. the one frame where the kid is sharp. And it... The whole background becomes this wonderful blur, and the person, if you do it right, experiment with with your exposure. It depends on the light and everything, but it, especially in really low light and weddings and things like that, I hate flash. Right. I mean, I can I can make it look like I'm not using a flash, but f- to me, flash just gets rid of the the mood of of where you are. Right. So anything I can do to avoid using a flash, I do. And and available light is just wonderful now. Yeah, yeah I, I, um, I my hobby in, in Africa when I'm when I, typically I'm too afraid of driving on the other side of the road. Yeah. So um, I'm always afraid I'm going to take the right. So there's always somebody driving and uh, so I'm always in the passenger seat mm-hmm. and um, my whole thing is that I, I do I shoot tons and tons and tons of photos. Uh, I just all we'll take an eight hour drive to somewhere and I'm just taking pictures of people as because everyone's walking. Right. You know there's tons of people walking in there and they have little shops and little stands and little things all the way down and and I do a, very similar to what you're talking about where I, I have to I put it on manual focus so mm-hmm. that it's not trying to find a focus. I figure out about how far away someone has to be or what the, where they typically are right. and, then, um, and then what I'm doing is literally doing exactly what you're talking about, which is that I'm just panning, panning along, and I track them way off in the distance, <laughs> so that I'm kind of just feeling them out as they as they come through. So my speed is correct, and, and you know, 90% of the photos turn out to be mush. Yeah, right. You know, but 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 it doesn't matter. You know, and, and there's been a handful of them that have just when it works, magical. it's magic. It's just magical. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, it's, it's something you can't. The the fun part of it is you don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah. So it's a sense of like it's like watching the print develop in the in the old tray in the old days. It's like yeah. wow, look at that. Yeah, yeah it's very fun. Great, great, yeah, great tip. Fun. Thank you. Uh, so, um, where can people uh, find you, Ron? Uh, how about Twitter, Ron Brinkman? Oh, uh, we're all, oh we got him on the Twitter. <laughs> Rick, do you Twitter? I do. You guys oh, Rick spot. Twitter's too. Yeah. All right, all right. So, uh, is, is it Ron Brinkman? Ron Brinkman, M-A-N-N at the end. N-N. Or digitalcomposting.com. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and uh, Fred, Fred, you're Twittering. Yeah, I am twittering. Twitter is uh, the new the new dot com. 
Twitter, Twitter's the new black. Um, you can catch me there at <laughs> FV Johnson um, on Twitter or uh, on my blog at frederickvan.com and, of course, at Adobe at adobe.com slash Lightroom. Scott? Um, you know, it's all about the Twitter. Scott Bourne, all one word. S-C-O-T-T-B-O-U-R-N-E, like the Bourne identity. And if you want to check out my avian photography, which is where I sell my stock, it's over at avianstock.com. And I hang out a great deal at the Twip Photo Blog. I want everybody to join me there, leave comments, get to our Flickr group from there, get to our show from there, and uh, you know, see the fine work on the show notes that our producer, Aaron Mailer, does. It's all right there at the blog. I hang out there, too. And a reminder that we're giving away a free Drobo. Oh, yeah, a free Drobo. Did I forget to mention the free Drobo? We love the Drobo. I can't believe I forgot that. A free Drobo. All you have to do is link to us at twipphoto.com from your blog or your website. You'll be eligible to win, provided that you are at least 18 years of age. And that you're a resident of the United States and that the contest is not prohibited where you live by law. And uh, your name may come. We're going to go through the referral logs and just pick a name at random of one of the websites. And that person is going to win a brand spanking new, never used. I'm not giving my my used one. It'll be a brand new one. That's because it's full. It's It's, full of terabyte drives (laughs) with lots of data. You'll get a brand new uh, Drobo uh, Revision 3, uh, their, their latest version. We're going to have a brand new one sent to somebody. We're going to give that away later this summer. So all you have to do is link to the blog and uh, increase your chance to win. Rick, what's your Twitter? Uh, just Rick Smolin, R-I-C-K-S-M-O-L-A-N. Crazy. So if you want to follow Rick as he's, as he's Twitter. Now, what do you mostly Twitter about? Just whatever, whatever what I'm doing, just, you know, just... Just, you know, who I'm meeting with that day, just new ideas for projects. Awesome. You know? Okay, very good. So check that out, yeah. Rick Smolin, uh, on Twitter. And I'm Alex Lindsay on Twitter, just mm. all one word. Um, and uh, I think I think that's it. We've We're done, done. it. You can, put that, you can put that lens cap right back on. 